podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. by Summerins, he's ready in top form. Four runs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 42 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I am your co-host, Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt, and you know who's with me. Yes, and Toki here. Good day to everyone tuning in. Hope you're all good. And Michelle, today is a very special episode for many reasons. One of which is we finally got a guest after one year. We finally got a guest who's a fellow Spurs fan. For those of you who know Tottenham, that's the mighty Tottenham. I've been waiting for this moment, so it's, it's, a, it's a good start for me, Michelle. But yeah, no, we've got a guest on who's people that tune into us will know we have the utmost respect for him in terms of what he's done for West Indies cricket and what he currently does at the moment in, in his role. So, Michelle, without further ado, do you want to introduce our guest to the people? Of course I do. Um, who would have thought that when we started this podcast, what, about a year and a half ago, Santoki, that we'd be in this position now where where we can welcome on Uncle Phil, <laughs> the head the head coach, the head coach of the West Indies cricket team. <laughs> you, um, for those listening and those watching, you can either hear him or see him in the background already laughing. But yes, indeed. We've got we've got Phil Simmons on. Both of us are absolutely honoured um, to have Phil on. Um, not only, of course, is he the head coach of the West Indies team, but Santoki is the head coach of the 2021 unbeaten West Indies Test team. Undefeated, <laughs> undefeated after four tests. Yeah, so long may that one continue. <laughs> Phil, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How's things? They're, 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 they're good, you know, they're, they're, they're good this side. Um, in fact, actually, I'll say this side. Are you in, are you in England, Phil? Yes, yes, I'm, I'm in London. Yes, I thought, as, I thought as much, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm saying good this side, like you're, like you're across <laughs> the world somewhere when you're, when you're probably just around the corner from us as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, heard, I heard you earlier say um, Craig and them are up here, so I was wondering, you know. <laughs> so yeah um obviously you you are here um and this is where you reside but um yeah good to have you on phil and we've, we've got an absolutely bumper um episode today when we put out to the audience and the fans about getting you on there were so many questions it was a struggle just to know which questions to pick to put to you but um without any further ado because if we don't start w this episode could run all night long so um santoki let, let's just jump straight into it and phil's no different yes he might be the head coach of of the west indies but phil had a career himself and yeah. a very good career at that so let's jump into phil's career yeah so something we ask all guests phil is how did you get into cricket growing up in Trinidad? Who were your early influences? And at what point did you decide cricket is something I can do as a career? Um, I, got, I got into cricket from early. I think one of the good things about Caribbean and especially Trinidad, um, we play, I don't know if it still goes on now, but I was introduced to cricket at about 9, 10 in primary school. 
and my um, standard five teacher, Mr. Lewis, he, he made sure that we went out and we played cricket in, in P periods. And, and, and that's where my, my love and, and my enjoyment of the game started from. So the, the, the younger you get into it, the easier it is to fall in love with it. And I think that's the, that's been the, 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 the start. And it, it, to this stage now, I always remember that day, the first few days we went out and we played it, you know, on, in, in the schoolyard, no pitch, no anything. It's just the schoolyard and put up a, a, a cricks tin and, and we played. So that, that was where things started. And am I right in saying that in your early days um, playing in Trinidad, um, Rohan Kanai was one of your early coaches? Yeah, um, I played for East in the in zonal competition. And I was, I think, 18, yeah, just gone to under 19 with West Indies. And he came to coach the East Zone. And he spent a few years there. And he was a, a, a huge influence on, on, on my career. At that time, the, the way he started to think, to teach us to think about practicing and, and the way we were playing the game, the fitness side of the game and, and all that he brought to the, to, to the zone. Um, it was sad that Trinidad Tobago didn't keep him as the head coach. He went on to Jamaica and he did a lot for, for, for Jamaicans, for Jamaica's cricket in that time. Mm, very interesting. And so, at that point, you played for, I think, Trinidad and Tobago. You made your debut in, was it 1983, around that time? Um, mm -hmm. How did you find the adjustment moving into first-class cricket? Was it hard to sort of step up from club cricket to first the first-class setup? No, I think I think back at that time, it, it, it wasn't that hard because the, the quality of the club cricket, the club cricket was hard. And mm -hmm. especially, I, I played most of my club cricket with Crompton, TC in the Savannah. And playing cricket in the Savannah and Martin Wicketts, um, was was a test in itself, and and it built a, a lot of character among players who who played at that time on Martin Wickets, and so it, it 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 helped the fact that I was playing at at, at first division for Crompton, and we were playing against all the Trinidad players every weekend. You're playing against some Trinidad players, so that helped a lot. So the the transition was not that difficult. Yeah, and um, we've mentioned Rohan Kanai. In that Trinidad and Tobago side, when you were coming through in the early 80s, um, who were sort of teammates who sort of helped you out and who you thought were influential? Um, when I started, um, you had uh, opening panels, Richard Gabriel, who at the time was one of the, the top openers um, um, Trinidad has, had produced. Um, Larry, Larry Gomes, although he, he wasn't there much, he was with West Indies a lot. But Larry Gomes was in the team, um, Sheldon Gomes. You know, it, that, that's when I started. That, that's the kind of people that were in, in that squad. Mm. And so from that point, I think it was 1987, you um, made your debut for West Indies in an ODI. Michelle, do you want to talk about West Indies now? Yeah, and, and it's interesting, Phil, because I, I, always, I always joke and say that... Um, when I first got into to properly got into West Indies cricket, it was in the mid to tail end of the 90s. So I always say that when my father passed down the oral tradition of following West Indies and obviously you become an obsessed West Indian, I started to follow as the the beginning 
of the decline started, so to speak. But you were in, sorry, you were in that team, like you were in the summer decline team. We were, we were still good, but you were in the team that was still winning before the decline came. And when I kind of track your career with the West Indies, I always found it quite strange because what did you think was your best position or role in the side, whether test or ODI? Because I always saw you as a bit of a floating player. Would that be harsh to say or or wrong to say? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what you mean by floating, but the the, the way I saw it at that time, um, I, I was aggressive. I wanted to go out there and, as we say that in those days, beat ball, I, I was like, Looking at the, the the way Gordon and and, and Desmond played, and you wanted to, to keep up that sort of tradition because they they put a lot of pressure back on bowlers because of their aggressiveness when they were batting. So you always want to be like that. And and then the master you you came in at a time when the master was the master. So you seen him playing and and you're trying to to think well look you've got to make sure that you're keeping up the standards here. And I mean, you you're, you played for the West Indies all the way up until just shy of 2000. I think your last game would have been like 98, 99. So what would you say, based on your uh, career in the Maroon, what would you say was the turning point to when, and again, I've referenced kind of like the beginning of the end, as a player who was who kind of traversed both eras, so you started when we were still beating everybody, and mm-hmm. as you left the side, we were just starting to get beaten. What was the key difference from a, your perspective as a player across both eras of that of of that side? Um, boy, I wish I wish I could put my finger on that because I, I would have tried change things a long time ago. Um, it, it's difficult to say what. Where the where the transition took place from us dominating to us starting to to to, to be dominated, um, it it's it's difficult to put your finger on that. I think there's a lot of different factors. Um, I think one one of the things is um, I'm, I'm trying to remember now if how many of the senior players left at the same time. So mm. it was not always we didn't have enough other guys in that transition who stayed on and, and, and pushed the young fellas to, to understand what they were doing before and, and, and to, so that we could continue that legacy. So I think even now, I don't think we understand as players now understand that legacy and what that meant for West Indians all over the world, not just cricket fans, just West Indians all over the world. Mm. And I mean, let let's not downplay. <laughs> let's not try and downplay your career um, uh, with the West Indies. You 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 had some significant highlights. And um, actually, uh, Santoki, I think we had was it Osman um, when we when we put the questions out. I think Osman came to us um, from ESPN and said, "Please talk to Phil." What were um, what was it against Pakistan, uh, Santoki? Yeah, um, Phil, you, you you probably might have been expecting this to come up, but against Pakistan, Benson and Hedges, 1992, still to this day, the record most economical spell in an ODI. I'll just read it out. The stats out here, they're amazing. Ten overs, eight maidens, Michelle, three runs conceded and four wickets. So Osman just wanted us, wanted you to talk through this spell, exactly what went right for you on that day. Don't forget, Pakistan were the world champions at that point as well. Yeah, it, it, look, 
all through that all through that series all through that tournament um i'd been bowling i'd been bowling good um i got to the stage where the captain was happy enough to let me use a new ball with um sometimes patrick patterson on the other end so it was like yeah i'm bowling uh, i'm bowling in tandem with pato you know or with <laughs> whoever um, um but at the same time because i was bowling so well i got the new ball and with in in australia and especially sydney and melbourne the, the new ball was moving a lot so i i just <laughs> just been practicing what to do and and just going out there and just trying to to hit the right areas and that night not well not only that night because i think i had an um three for 16 against australia um i think a week before that so um generally as bowling well throughout that tournament and and that night everything just clicked you know um the the, the prize wicket uh, javed me under in zuman ul you know so it, it just clicked that night phil you were um a talented all-rounder obviously um, and let's not discount obviously your ability in the field as well what was your strongest suit from your own perspective with the bat the ball in the field of, you're going to say all of them but <laughs> what was, <laughs> but what as a on a personal level what did you think you should have been recognized um for and like so you look at like Jason Holder as an all-rounder today and people argue about whether he's better with the bat the ball whatever it might be but what as as a fellow all-rounder what did you think your strength was no, I, I think my strength was was with the bat. I I, I bowled um, in in limited over cricket. I, I I bowled a lot more in Test cricket. I didn't bowl much, um, but my my role and my significant role was with the bat. So I think the bat will will be up will be up front at all times. Mm. And who would who would you say was the toughest bowler you faced as a batsman on the international scene? Um, other than our bowlers, Wazim Akram by a mile, <laughs> by a mile. You know, Wazim was so quick and he can do anything he wanted with that ball. So Wazim. Okay, good shout. And um, as a bowler, who was a batsman who you thought, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be a tough day? Um, I think in 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 that time, the few times that I bowled to Sachin. Um, it was <laughs> it was as wide a wider bat as, as I've seen, you know. I mean, there were a lot of great cricketers in that time, but I think Sachin was was a different story, you know. Hmm. Phil, you play, I feel like do you know what? I feel like you're understating your career, you know. So you you <laughs> you you played with distinction in uh, county cricket as well, um, or Durham. And Leicestershire, and in fact, in I think in '97, you were one of the Wisdom Cricketers of the Year because of your role with Leicestershire. '96, sorry. And um, the reason I bring that up is because I think, like we said uh, off off air before we started, we spoke about how Kimar is currently here, uh, Craig Brathwaite's here, Alzari Joseph is here. Now, as a former West Indian who international who played in county cricket, what do you see or whether it's when you were there or current, how do you see county cricket and its role, whether back then or today? Because to be honest, seeing Craig and Kamar uh, and Alzari here was refreshing because we haven't had 
enough West Indians come and play county cricket over the last, let's say, 10 years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's too long. Maybe I should say five or six years. But it, what, what, how, what do you see as the as a coach? What do you see as the, the as the role of county cricket? I think, I think when we came over here to play, a, a lot of it was about um, responsibility, professionalism. Because when you come over as an overseas player, there's a lot of responsibility on you to to, to carry the team, to, to to be the one to guide the team. So I think that was a part of a major part of it because that helped when you went back home and you had that responsibility in the middle and you have to do the job here for this team. You 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 gained a lot of um, respect for the fact that you can make decisions by yourself out in the middle. And mm. that came from coming up here and being out there, even in the leagues, not just in county cricket, in, in the leagues, when guys came up in the league, they had to go they had to control everything for that team they were playing for. So it it, it improved your character, it improved your leadership ability and, and everything like that. And I think that is something that we we would look we would look for then. And now it's it's been it's been a long time as you say. I, I can't tell you exactly how long that we've had players playing for the county. But I think that that's just uh, a fact of the, the, the time period we play our international cricket in now, mm. because if if once IPL had finished the end of May, we are going into the series against Australia and, and, and Pakistan. So a lot of guys would not be able to play the whole country season. So that's why we've struggled for a number of years. Mm. And I mean, Given given you're here, are you watching closely? Are you able to watch closely to see, particularly, I'm going to pick out Alzari more than Kimar and Craig. Kimar and Craig are experienced, established West Indian internationals. Alzari's still making his way. Um, are you trying to catch as much of them as you can here and there? Well, because of the, the, the whole situation, you can't really go and watch, watch the games. But um, you look at the, the highlights and... A few games, I know Craig and them were on TV live because no IPL, they were on TV live. I didn't get a chance to see it, but, you know, it's it's, it's good. And I, I'm glad you talked about Azari because I think the other two, are, the experience is there, but I think this would be a great booster for Azari and his bowling especially. His batting has been coming along fine, but his bowling will, will get a, a huge lift from this little stint here. Mm, most most definitely and I think when Santoki and I in talking about it when we saw he got the deal at Worcestershire that's exactly what we said that it was the best thing for him at, at, at this mm -hmm. juncture and obviously with South Africa coming test series so yeah. on and so forth um, but obviously we, we've spoken about your career and then when your career draws to an end you, you get into coaching and when, when we talk about Phil Simmons you speak to the average cricket fan they'll see you as a coach first and foremost um, whether that be for your stint with Ireland, whether that be for Afghanistan and obviously currently West Indies. But how did you make the transition? Was it something you always wanted to do? Or how? what made you want to jump into coaching? Um, I think when you look at things and, and you keep looking around, coaches are, are, are formed from your playing days. I think you have guys sometimes in a dressing room who... Uh, sharers, givers, and they they become good coaches. They become good educators. 
Um, whereas you have guys who, you know, look uh, make sure that they are well looked after. They're, then when you're going into coaching time, it's hard for them. And I think halfway through my first year at Leicester, um, a good friend of mine, Tim Boone, he was um, the opener with Leicester, but he was also one of the coaches with the ECB, the coaching mm-hmm. system I just started. And he he just, uh, he just told me, I'm going to set up that you do your coaching courses because I, when you finish this, I can see you being a coach. And I, I didn't take too much to, to what he was saying. Um, but then come 98 and he guaranteed that I would go on the level three course. And when I finished that, then it started to hit me and and, and I started doing things, um, small jobs here um, in winter um, in with some friends and started to enjoy it. So it just moved from one to two to three and now to where I am now. Mm, Stan, did you want to jump in? Yeah, and I think there's a common thread with the sides you've coached on, for instance, Ireland, Afghanistan and West Indies to an extent as well. They're not they're not able to compete on the same financial level. They're under-resourced when compared to other major cricketing nations, but you've managed to improve them all in different ways, despite them being very different culturally, geographically. What are sort of your keys to coaching success? Do you have some fundamental principles that you apply as a coach, regardless of the team? I think I think the first fundamentals that coach is to get to understand your players, get to know your players and know how you have to um inveigle them, how you have to um convince them, lift them, how how you have to get them to perform. Um and I think that's the, the biggest thing in, in in the coaching, other than the technical things where you change a guy um from A to B, uh, you know, how you hold a bat, how you play shots, but you know, basic coaching. I think the other factor is how you get people to to perform when they go to the middle. And I think that 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 is the important part now at this level. And and it has been because um with Ireland especially, they were a new country coming along and we had to change a few things there in order to, for the guys to start looking at how at themselves and, and, and improving themselves and getting the confidence in themselves to play at that other level. Um, Afghanistan, a little bit of the same, a lot of talent, a lot of young players coming through, a, a couple of stars in, in um, Rashid and Nabi. Um, but again, they wanted to, to improve. They had to, they had to get that push and that understanding that this is international and this is the way, but, I also had to understand, and, and I'm grateful for something that you mentioned. I'm so so grateful for the different cultures that I've worked in, mm. um, because I know home and I know how to deal with home. But when you go to Ireland, it was a big a big change. Um, I did Zimbabwe too, so that was a that was a huge change too. So it's great the experience of these cultures and them, and then coming back home and and, and working with with my own. And I think a common question we got on social media was about data analytics, kind of how big does that play in your coaching method? And do you find it, have you found it generally difficult or easy for players to kind of take in data analytics? Um, I think it's getting a lot easier now because uh, uh, the way it's put over and and Mm -hmm. the understanding of how it's supposed to be used and us as coaches and as um, analysts 
getting the players, finding a way to put it over to the players that they would want to use it and be happy to use it. I think it's it's a huge part of all sport. Um, so it's great to see it um, evolving in cricket as much as it is. And um, before before Michelle gets more in depth with your sort of West Indies stint as a coach, uh, just out of interest, what would be at Ireland, for instance, you were there for eight years. What would be your personal highlight um, as Ireland coach? Um, I think the personal highlight would be our, all our performances at World Cups, because when you go to World Cups, and and I think the the Irish people themselves would be extremely. They would say that beating England in the World Cup was the biggest moment they've had in cricket. Um, you know, because of that rivalry, but just in general, how we played in that World Cup, how we played in 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 2015 World Cup, um, where we beat West Indies, by the way. So, yeah, you know, but it's just the, just the way we turned up for World Cups and 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 the way that we played without that fear. Yeah. So, Phil, you you you're world renowned with what you did with Ireland, and then you you get the West Indies job the first time round, and. First, I'm going to speak as a fan first and foremost. When you got the job, I was excited. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> Phil has come home. Now it's time. Someone who's going to understand how to, to take us forward. And obviously, let's let's first and foremost deal with the high. World Cup winning coach 2016. So, and I think sometimes people may forget that, that you, <laughs> you were actually the coach when we won the World Cup. But... I don't I'm trying to think, even think how to phrase this. What <laughs> No, let me let me start again Phil. <laughs> 20 your first stint didn't go as planned. I'm going to be I'm just going to be from my perspective it didn't go as planned. I'm not saying there's anything to do with you. It didn't go as planned. But for you what was the experience for you because I you almost were you the, the first time round, you were almost there with the start of a lot of the players who have played over the last five years. So the the Jasons, the um uh Rostons, the Shane Dowriches, etc., who all kind of made their transition then over the next four to five years. Um, and you didn't get to see that through until obviously you've come back again. But how do you reflect on that first stint? Um first of all, difficult. Um, but as, as I do all the time, whether it's difficult and I, I, I try and enjoy what I'm doing. And I think it was enjoyable because I was back home. I was working with West Indians, um, rather than any other nation. And we were, we, were, we had a little bit of success. I remember mm -hmm. we drew the test series in, in the Caribbean with England, mm -hmm. um, went on a little bit later to win the world cup. So we had a little bit of success, which is what you want when you start in something so that people start buying into what you want to do. But it was it was a lot more disappointing than it was successful because um, maybe the people who were who were there at the time, I don't know if they didn't want to see the cricket go forward or what was it, but the, the, the backing was not there. Mm. With the team that you had then, did hmm. 
what would you say that because like i say, I, I make particular i made particular reference to because even jermaine was with you the first time round. in fairness uh jermaine blackwood um you had a very young team that first time round. um was it too young now, obviously, your experiences with Ireland, you, you'd already grown a team in the past uh, mm -hmm. in terms of Ireland. But can you have a side that's too young and too inexperienced, particularly at the particularly at the test level? Because we, the only real experienced player we had, and obviously he then retired, was Shiv. We, we didn't really have anybody left within that kind of in your first stint who you could say you are really, really experienced at the top, top level of cricket. Or, or is that too harsh of a statement or too too narrow of a statement? No, it's, it's a true statement. You had a lot of youngsters, as you said, Dorridge, Chase, Blackwood, Jason was young then, um, coming into the team. But in, in teams that you look around the world, there's always the two or three, sometimes five or six, are the more experienced players you could have when younger players come into the team, the, the, the quicker the younger players grow. And I think that we were we were a young team then and things had to be put in place in order for us to try and get better and try and move up the table. Mm. In the in the in the other formats, we had a lot of experience. So we could we could we could do better. We could um we could have on the on the pitch a number of experienced players to help the two or three young players that were coming into those teams but in the test team we couldn't do that so we had to try and build from scratch in the test team and the the, the it would have taken a, a few years as we've seen with 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 all the youngsters to to grow and to be able to you know perform at the international level the way they wanted to do mm. With the you, you make reference to the experienced players, and obviously, again, we reference the 2016 World Cup. Some of those players are still here now. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Pollard, Bravo, Gale, um, they're all still about just to pick three. But when you had them in 2016, as a coach of what I mean, even now, but even sorry, even then. These were experienced franchise players, players who had played IPL over and over and over again. In 2016 as a coach, was it about how hands-on were you? Or was it about assigning the role for a Chris Gale, assigning a role, obviously Pollard wasn't there, but assigning a role for a Bravo and saying, you you know, you, you're experienced, you know what you're doing. Or How do you manage a team that has experience like that? Um, I think, as, as I said before, you have... You have to understand your players. You have to know um, what, when to pull them up. You have to know if to pull them up at any time or if they, they, they understand that we've played bad today or we didn't do our best even though we won. It's, and, and that's the thing when you have that full experience like we did then because everyone was experienced. Um, we missed Polly because of injury, but everyone had that franchise experience that you're talking about. And so it wasn't about training anybody to play T20 cricket. In fact, I learned a lot from, from some of these guys, Bravo and Chris and them, because they had been in T20 cricket forever. So mm -hmm. it was about trying to make sure that um, the way we did things um, when we practiced, the, the, the practice was purposeful and, 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 and the way we did it, the way we played our cricket. And to, to, to get players to understand that Every day when we go on that field, we represent in West Indies and we want to win because we had won four years before mm. and we wanted to win again. And, and, and 
it was it was good that we still had Sammy as captain and and, and he um led from the front um in, in 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 that tournament again as the tournament before so you know it it just everyone just gelled and i think it was more about getting the the team to understand what we were there for mm-hmm. um and i think it was it was summed up for me in in the first day practice we had a little camp in dubai before we went on to india and the first little huddle we had and we were talking about it and i remember Marlon Slapani, he just said, um, guys, we're here. Let's go and take what's ours. And mm. I'll never forget that that little hotline. And, and that's how the, the whole practice, that's the first practice session we had. That's how it started. And we went on. And, 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 and as he said, we took what was ours. Well, you, you, you know there's another World Cup this year, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I know we're defending champions too. <laughs> but um speaking speaking of um T twenty uh franchise stars, so five years on now and we're in twenty twenty one and we have an I wouldn't say a new batch, but certainly potential superstars in our wings again in Nicholas Puran um and Shimron Hetmeyer in particular, and that's not that's not to um uh, disregard someone like an Evan Lewis as well. But if we focus on a Puran and a Hetmeyer, for example, who have the world at their feet, so to speak, um, as a coach filler, maybe this is putting you on the spot a bit, their ability in short format cricket doesn't need any explanation, whether that's ODIs, whether that's T20s. How, how do we get them to play Red Bull? <laughs> <laughs> how, how 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 are we gonna get as as a as a Trini Phil? How are we gonna get Nicholas? <laughs> how are we gonna get Red Bull cricket? How 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 is that how is that possible when every franchise wants him? Well, it 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 it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing for him. Difficult thing for us. Um, I think it's it's important to know that um, we're trying as as CWI to make sure that things um are open and, and and the players we're not pigeonholing any players we we you know we have everybody out there as international players and and it's going to get to the stage where um Shimran who has played um and he will get back into into that frame of mind that he wants to play um all formats um we have Nicholas who hasn't played red ball yet but played a, a couple of um, 18 games in, in New Zealand after the mm-hmm. T20 series and uh, by every account looked, looked the part totally. So it's it's about the blend and, and, and as we go along, how how they blend into the to the squad that they're now because we've had some young some youngsters come in and, and, and shown that they want to be there and they want to, to control test cricket from a batting point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's about um, Shimran and, and 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 Nicholas pushing their way into the into the squad, and that only happens with with, with scores, with runs. Mm. Santokia, um, did was there a question on Shimran and Nicholas, or have I just? Uh, yeah, said, you asked pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, then. Um, Shimron and Nicholas notwithstanding, Santoki, you want to do you want to jump into? I said at the top about how we're undefeated in 2021. Uh, yeah. Do you want to jump into that? 
Yeah, so I guess we're we're on a golden run in tests at the moment, undefeated in 2021. And also, as you said, we're defending champions um, in the T20 format. I guess for you personally, what would be your ambitions or next step for West Indies cricket, let's say, in the next two years? What would you define as a successful period, particularly in the test arena? I think I think it's, we're going to have a, a tough six test matches in the rest of this year. And, and my focus is in, in those six test message, matches to play the, the, the sort of cricket that we have to play in order to move up the, the, the ICC rankings. I think that we have the ability, we've shown that we have the ability, but the thought process must come with it. We've shown the thought process in Bangladesh. We've shown it here now in, in, in Antigua. And it's just about understanding how we evolve, how we improve. And South Africa is going to be a huge test mm. for for this for our test team. Mm. And when we come out of that, there's another huge test in Pakistan because they've been playing some brilliant international cricket over the past year also. So it's going to be tough. And then we go to Sri Lanka and it's always tough down there. So when we come out of these six test matches, we will know, and especially if you can still say undefeated in 2021, <laughs> then we will know that we're going somewhere. So that's 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 how we're looking at, but we take it one one at a time. These two against South Africa is going to tell us a lot about ourselves and our players. Would you say, sorry, Santal, just jumping in, would you say, Phil, that this is the strong, it's so weird how this has come about and how cricket and sport can change in the blink of an eye but we're now in a position where some players are on the outside looking in who currently can't get into the test team so we spoke about Apurana, Hetmeyer, Bravo's not in it, Chase isn't in it, Brooks is out at the moment. Would you say this is the, Hope's not in it, would you say that this is the strongest pool you have been able to work with across the two stints in and when I say strongest, I mean pos- I'm potential in terms of, I feel like, again, I'm coming from a fan's perspective, I feel like we're developing a pool of players now as opposed to, well, that's the start in 11. And unless there's one or two changes, not a whole lot's really changing. Is that a right way to look at it? Or is, how are you looking at it as a coach? I think that's the correct way to look at it. I think you, you have a pool. And right now you have um, last test match, four batsmen played. I mean, six, but the two openers and, and, and four batsmen. And, and you had another four or five batsmen, um, Conklin, Shimran, and Nicholas. In You had five batsmen who could play in the middle there. Mm. So it, it makes the, the, the success majorly important for, for, for you who are in the team. And that is what is going to propel the team up by... The, the, the fight for places and the players knowing that performance is what keeps you in that place. And the, 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 the young guys who came in, they're realizing that performance is keeping them there and their performance has kept them there now. But also the, the, the guys you mentioned who are not in the squad, they know that anytime they get back in, they have to perform to stay there. So I think that's when you have a, a, a movement upwards, um, for want of a better phrase, because everybody knows that performance is what's going to get them and keep them in the team. But we know as a coaching unit and think that performance is what's going to propel us upward. So it's a win-win situation for all of us. 
Mm-hmm. With um, sorry, Santoki, sorry, one more for me. With um, one player I just wanted to quickly point out, um, Phil Jaden Seals. I think in the last, can't remember if it was Sri Lanka. I think it was, or was it away in Bangladesh? He's been tagging along almost like in a developmental role. Um, what I mean, what's your views on him as a young knight, as a nineteen years old? But um, what's what do you see as his up or his potential at, at this particular juncture? I think he has tremendous potential. I think he can be one of one of the greats with with his with his ability and his pace and everything. Um, it's something that we've we've started to do. I think island series um last island series we had O'Shane and Obed McCoy with the mm-hmm. team even though they weren't part of the team so that we could work with them and and get them to understand the feel of of, of being among international players we had it with Preston McSween and um Akinio Minley a few of them were in 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 England and then Preston and Jaden Seals were in New Zealand um, and that's that's how we want to do. When we're around the Caribbean, we're trying to make sure we have the young fast bowlers, especially um, with us. So it's 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 good. But I think there's there's a few seals and and a few others who have shown that they are hungry to be in this test team, especially. Mm. Um, and that's a good thing because Shannon Gabriel, Kimar, Azari. Jason, everyone knows that there's this guy's looking to, to to push for places. So they they've got to continue performing as they've done for over the last five or six years because the bowling is what has carried this team for a while now. Sorry, mm. right, Santoki. Yeah, I think one thing um from fans and journalists we've heard over the years is domestic cricket in West Indies is on a steady decline. Um obviously in the past year we've seen particularly batsmen, Josh De Silva, Carl Mayers, Bonner. Um, Jermaine Black could go back and get runs at domestic level and all of them make a transition um, to test cricket, um, Bonar, Silva, Mayers, with relative ease, ease from an outsider's point of view. Do you think that's reflective of an improving domestic structure or is there anything you would like to see changed within domestic cricket um, in the West Indies? I think it, 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 it shows a little bit of an of a attitude change. Um, but again you the, the the quality is going to be defined by the 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 the, the how should I say the mental attitude of the players at franchise level because if 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 I'm playing any cricket and, and that sense of pride that in my performance is not there then the standards are not going to be high. If mm-hmm. if we get all these players and, and I hope players are looking and saying but Blackwood scored my score, they got their chance. So let me try and score the seven or eight hundred that they scored and see if I can get my chance then. And that's the only way that the cricket is gonna start going up. Um what you call him, um Chama Holder got mm. wickets and he got his chance. He played a test match in, in, in New Zealand. Um so the standard has to go up and keep going up because we always say and it's I hate going back to days before but um domestic cricket for the cricket between islands was test matches back in the day mm-hmm. so we needed to get to that stage where everybody is coming at each other even though i'm playing with you next week in the test team this week i want to take your head off i want to make 100 200 against you so that's when that's when everything will start going back up 
Mm. I have, as Phil was talking earlier on, and even now, Santoki, I just had like a light bulb moment, and you're going to thank me for this. So, uh, Phil, so Santoki, um, when it comes to CPL, Santoki is a Guyana Amazon Warriors fan. Uh, he's, a, he's of Guyanese uh, extract. Now, uh -huh. Guyana, Phil, have never won CPL, and they they choke. They choke every single year. But you've won CPL, Phil. Maybe Santoki. <laughs> maybe the you know what? Yeah, you know, Santoki. Maybe it's that you need Phil to, to coach Guyana. <laughs> you know what, Michelle? As soon as you mentioned Guyana, I could see Phil just laughing. He knew where it was going. <laughs> Uh, you never know these days, you see. You never know. <laughs> but do you know? Do you know why I brought it up, though, Phil? Because obviously, in 2019, um, you won CPL with with the Tridents. Um, yeah. And just just touching on that um, very briefly, what was the key to? And like, and, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm taking the, the Mick out of Santoki, but he actually needs to hear this answer. What 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 was the key to being a successful? Um, CPL franchise? To me, the franchise cricket is, is getting people to play with one another, to see the direction of, of, of where the franchise wants to go in that tournament and everybody line up to go in that direction. Um, with international cricket, you, you have more time to, to put it together. To, in the franchise, you got to get everybody understanding as soon as you come in. Mm. This is the way we want to go. This is how we're going to win this tournament. And let's start doing the things that we've got to do to win this tournament. And if everybody buys into it early enough, then you have a chance. Santoki, did you hear that? Do you know what, Phil? Um, with every uh, guest that we have, um, we always, um, when we, when we near the end and thank you, by the way, for um, I reiterate again, thank you for coming on and, um, being so honest in your responses and answering the, uh, the supporters and the fans questions as well. But, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot to the question, Santoki. You cool with that? Yeah. 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 If you're ready, Michelle, yeah. a big question. So every time we, we get a guest on Phil, we ask them a series of questions, um, as we come towards the end and you're no different head coach or not. Um, so question number one, Phil, what is your favorite ground? Obviously in your capacity as coach now, what's your favorite ground to coach the West Indies at or play at whatever you want to say, other than the only ground you can't say is Queens Park Oval. What's your favorite <laughs> ground in the Caribbean? Favorite ground in the Caribbean? Yeah. My favorite going in the Caribbean would be St. Kitts. Interesting. Why St. Kitts? Well, I, I I just think that there's there's a, a, a atmosphere there when when it when people are in when we get back to that stage. There's a nice atmosphere in in, in St. Kitts. The ground is small, you know, um, good wicket, everything like that. So and I think quite a quite a few of the guys. Not so much at the bowlers, but quite a few of the batsmen love playing there. And when you were playing, and I'm going to say outside the Caribbean now, what was your yeah? What was your favorite ground 
or your favorite what was your what do I want to say your best experience what was your yeah what was your favorite ground to play in as a player my favorite ground was the MCG I think that's the well well at least when I played uh, that was the best ground in the world you know uh, I have all respect for the traditions of lords and and what what it brings when you play there and everything but for me I love the MCG Excellent. And you know what, Santoki, one more question came into my head as, as Phil was saying that. So Phil Santoki, Phil played with some of the most iconic players um, in West Indies cricket history. And then as you would have been growing up, you would have watched some of the most iconic players uh, in West Indies history. So this is a hard one, you know, Phil, you might lose friendships after you answer this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who is the... Oh, this is so tough. Who is the best West Indian player you have either seen or <laughs> played with? Think carefully before you answer this, Bill. You played well. You played with. You played with at least two of the big, big great. In fact, more than two. What am I talking about? You played with so many greats. Never mind what so many greats. Who's the best that you've seen? The the the, the three best that I have seen or played with I I I I haven't seen I didn't see I don't about live no I didn't see Sir Gary Sobel mm. but the two best well, three best I've played with is um Viv Richards Brian Lara so Viv Richards Brian Lara and the best bowler I have played with is Malcolm Marshall as the three best cricketers I've played with in West Indies. But now pick one <laughs> 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 no, we're not, we're not, no, we're not going to be cruel. That's why I gave you a treat. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 won't, we won't go any further. But um, you, you know what, Phil, as, as you said, um, with the remainder of this year, obviously, we've, we've got South Africa on the horizon. Um, then the Aussies come in and obviously Pakistan. And um, as Santoki kind of alluded to, I, I kind of feel like... and. I'm kind of going to come back to you, Phil, to kind of wrap it up for us. But I kind of feel like we passed the Bangladesh test. We've passed the Sri Lanka test. And these are teams for me who, if we are to improve, we had to be strong against. And what's interesting about South Africa and Pakistan now, more so than Australia, is they're what I call the next two on the rung. Um above if we're to to, to make those um transitions um you've kind of alluded it to alluded it alluded to it sorry phil but um do you see it like that as well that these are realistic tests for the west indies as opposed to playing a new zealand away or an england away etc I, I i think the these are two teams that are um quality test teams um, no, no, I'm not saying that the, the, the two series we play were not quality, but they're, they're higher up the table than the two we've played. So to be high up on the table, on, on, on the ICC table, you, you have to be playing good test cricket for a, a period of time in order for you to get up there. And these two, the next two series we have are teams that have done that. So it is, it is going to be a, a, a challenge, but we're going to see the character of, of, of the players that we have now. And we're going to see how much that character has been built up over the last six or eight months um, through COVID and now to almost getting back to, to just getting 
people watching again. So it's something that we are looking forward as coaches to see where that character is going now. Most definitely, and as fans, we're super excited to see it. Santoki, I'm going to hand over to you to, to, to bring it to a close. Yeah, I guess actually it's only right. I mentioned it at the top of the show, Phil, you're a big Spurs fan. So it's yeah, only yeah. right I ask you, all-time favourite Spurs player? <laughs> all-time favourite Spurs player? Yeah. I must be wanting to. I, I went off a little bit, um, but, but I came back when they sacked that last manager. So, <laughs> um, so my, my all-time favourite, I have, well, I have two. Yeah, no. My my top two Spurs player of all time, number one was Glenn Huddle. Mm. Um, got me here into it. And number two, Ledley King. Oh, oh yeah. I was actually going to... Yeah, Ledley King's mine. I would put Ledley King as the greatest. And um, glad to know that you'll be back supporting Spurs now that Jose's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, back, I'm back now. I'm back. I, wore, I, wore my, I wore my shirt for the first time in, in, in a year, about two days ago, so... <laughs> but no, um, Phil, thank you very much for giving up your time. It's been wonderful speaking West Indies quick with you and you sharing so much knowledge with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. No, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's been great. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode 42. That has been the head coach of the West Indies, Uncle Phil Simmons. We hope you're rallying with us uh, in a couple of weeks' time when the West Indies get to go head-to-head with South Africa and obviously then Australia and then Pakistan. Thank you for tuning in as ever. Stay locked onto all our particular channels. We've been the Caribbean Cricket Podcast in, in partnership with the CPL. Thank you and good night. Good night.